Welcome to a very special off-season edition, the first off-season edition of the Heron Outlet. Well, not the off-season yet because we have MLS Cup set. The Philadelphia Union will travel to Los Angeles to take on LAFC in a one-versus-one matchup. The first time that's happened actually in two decades, since 2003, that MLS will see the Eastern Conference number one seed as their champions and the Western Conference number one seed as their champions in what is sure to be a a a fantastic game this Saturday uh, in MLS Cup in Los Angeles. We'll get to all of that and a lot more, but he is Austin Roblard. She is Alex Winley. I am Ian Heston. Guys, so much already to get to in this offseason. Let's start with the huge news coming out of The Athletic, one that I feel like we're all contractually obligated to talk about every single time it gets brought up, and it gets brought up quite often around these parts, but even more so that it's seeming to have legs. Messi to Miami, The Athletic is reporting that Inter-Miami getting closer and closer, believing very confidently that they will hold off PSG re-signing him and Barcelona making another attempt to bring Messi back, and instead he will be heading to MLS next year. First things first, guys. We have heard this time and time again. Is there any more credibility to this, or is this another one of those Oh, God, we've heard this so many times before. When it happens, we'll talk about it. But this one seems a little more real. I, I would say yes, because of the all, all the variables that are all coming together now. You have the World Cup coming, time away he's going to be from PSG. You've got his contract getting ready to run out. And I think that beforehand, when you discuss the messy stuff... It wasn't a real possibility just yet, other than when he left Barca, that he was going to leave the club that he was at. And now him at PSG in that contract running out with no renewal set in place from PSG. And the fact that he's going to have a month away from the club and it's going to be running out. I think it all just sets a perfect storm for Inter Miami to swoop in and say, hey, we're going to make an attempt at this guy and we're going to try and take off all of their suitors and be the number one team to bring in Lionel Messi. So for me, I think that the only reason it makes it more credible right now is because of the fact that he's running out of a contract and the World Cup is coming. And after that, he has a decision to make on his career. And beforehand, that wasn't necessarily the case. I think right now it's it's instilled because of the fact that all of those things are happening at the same exact time. And we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I think um, this is probably the most uh, likely that we see my uh, Messi going to Miami, especially after uh, MLS insider Tom Bogart and David Ornstein from The Athletic. They both basically co-signed on this, that these are credible uh, rumors, reports. So, um yeah, Jorge Moss and David Beckham have spoken about wanting to bring in Messi for years. You know, even in the Athletic article, they mentioned that this has been a a year long, like years long, uh, a contract, uh, well, not contract, but negotiation for Messi's services. So, if there's any moment, chance, uh, uh, you know, time instance that Messi will come to Miami, it is probably now. Like Austin said, he'll be away at the World Cup for a month with Argentina. Uh, um, you know, just getting some new perspective. Maybe he won't want to renew with PSG. Uh, you know, it, of course, you know, Miami won't be able to sign them in the winter, but it'll, you know, basically be a pre contract to sign in the summer. So, yeah, the all cards are on deck. You know, Barcelona are also wishing that they he could return, but obviously knowing Barcelona and, and their uh, financial troubles at the moment, I don't, I don't think that's able, you know, I don't think they'll be able to do that, but you know, right now it, it seems like it's down to PSG and Inter Miami, and 
the fact that Inter Miami are 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 in this conversation is is huge as a as not even as just a club as a league as MLS as a whole. You know, Messi and Ronaldo. I I, I believe those are two players that you know whatever age they are, you you try to bring them to MLS. So uh, that's what Jorge Moss and Beckham are trying to do at the moment. And um, this is probably the most uh, likely we will see Messi potentially go to Miami. But at the end of the day, it's it's down to Messi and his family and and his wish, wishes for his playing career. And yeah, I guess we have to wait until uh, after the World Cup to see uh, how this falls. So let let he is 35 years old, right? So he's not playing like a 35 year old. He's playing like a guy 10 years younger than that. He's the best player in the world, and and well, didn't win the Ballon d'Or this year, but still is, you know, for for however many years, year after year after year has been the best player in the world. So, um, but he is 35 years old. Um, This would probably, assuming that this would be a last move for him, would probably be it. So for all the time that we've talked about this possibility, this sort of feels like a now or never type move. If it doesn't happen now, if it doesn't happen next summer, then probably if he does wind up signing, let's say another two-year deal with PSG, by the time he's 37, 38 years old, I don't really know if, if he's going to keep doing this, especially with the travel of MLS and everything involved there. This has been, I, I do want to sort of, I don't want to throw cold water on it or, or, or temper expectation. I, I want to sort of live in the reality that a lot of us who have been living in for the past couple of years, and this might actually be more so into the likelihood of this happening than not. It has been discussed that this that this summer was always going to be the that moment that it was going to be a year and a half or two and a half that he was going to be able to come on a summer that was going to happen happen after the World Cup that all of those like dots would align at, that his contract came up at that certain time. This has been like I felt reading that article a, a little bit of I felt like we knew this already and so. I I was, listen, if this came as a surprise to fans and that's wonderful, that's on me for not like reflecting a lot of the things that we knew. But I I guess it it put in stone for me a lot of rumors that we had heard previously, a lot of stuff that had been sort of like just, you know, off the cuff, "Ah, maybe keep an eye on your calendar for this and that whenever and, and the other. When now it felt a little more concrete, like, no, we have been working on this. This feels like a tangible thing. We might have to save a designated player spot in the offseason for this exact scenario. Like, that was the, the, the impression that I got reading the article. Yeah, I, I just think it's more of that, like, okay, when you look at a report that is speaking into the future from two or three years ago, talking about the summer of 23 then it kind of goes under the rug a little bit after the first initial hype of it all. This is more of an an immediate report uh, engaging with fans and getting an immediate reaction to something that is right. It's eminent. It's right down the line. It's, it's less than 12 months away. And I think that that's why it caused such uh, such an uproar between all these, all these different fan bases and whether it's PSGs or Barca's or Miami's or just soccer fans in general um, because back, I mean, we've seen it time and time again, the Jersey swaps of on Twitter of Messi and a, and a pink kid and all, like you said, Ian alluding to the summer of 23, but in 2020 and in 2021, that is so far away. You lose right. it a little bit. You lose sight of it after a couple of days of thinking about it. And now that it's right around the corner and not to mention Miami have to make off season decisions 
right away. Going into 2023, that starts at the end of February. I think they'll start playing games again. Miami have to make decisions, and if they think that they have a chance at Messi in the summer, they do have to be conscious of that, and they have to understand, okay, yes, just like you said, Ian, we have to save a DP spot. If, let's say, Campana and Pozuelo, or maybe even one more player, are the only ones that are signed back to the team on big money deals, then it looks like Miami are going to get a little ambitious and, and think that they could bring in Messi as a big money guy. So... That is another thing, in my opinion, that they need to look for. You need to look at those decisions coming up. You need to look at Messi's time away from the club, and you need to look at his contract renewal. All of those things are going to come into the play, and I think that because it's so immediate, it's causing this reaction. Uh, Alex, yeah, I, I, know um, I, this, agree. I, think, I know that this yeah. sounds a little silly, Alex, but how does Messi fit in tactically mm-hmm. to an Inter-Miami team? Uh-huh. Well, uh, pass the ball to the Argentinian, essentially. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I yeah, I'm I not. I, I would, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think you, uh, well, if Neville is still the coach, which, I mean, him and Chris Henderson will probably renew their contracts, um, you know, they could easily switch to a 4 4 2, have Messi play as a uh, a second striker alongside Campana and have that midfield two of Gregory and John Mata, have two wingers and play like that. He could, you know, play a 4 2 3 1 with Messi as a number 10. Uh, you know, you could play Messi as a false nine, which would be interesting. You can play Messi off uh, the right wing, which will be interesting. And, you know, either way, I think you just get him into the lineup and surround him with good <laughs> it's players. Messy, that's, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's messy. You don't, I mean, yes, tactics play a part, but you get him into the starting 11 and you, you surround him with guys like Campana, Robert Taylor. Uh, even Ariel Lasseter, just just the wingers and 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 creators behind it them. It seems like a little like silly to put this in the same it. conversation. It's just like, no disrespect to anybody, but it's Lionel Messi. But you just throw him into the lineup, and you know he'll 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 do messy things, and it's MLS. So they'll <laughs> man mark him like crazy, and if Messi's marked, then he'll find someone else who's open, and it's just like a like a domino effect essentially. So. Yeah, just throw them into the starting eleven. Yes, there. I know there are more detailed tactics to this, but like it's messy. So, <laughs> I regret the question immediately because I was like, "What? What am I talking about? It's messy. You just put them out there, see what happens." <laughs> but so, guys, there, there there are other moves that Inter Miami is making. Leo Campana rumored to be having his contract option to buy picked up by the club uh, from Wolverhampton in England. Uh, the, the fee reportedly uh, for about $2.7 million, which would most likely make him a young designated player. There are some mechanisms that Inter-Miami could do to make him not a young designated player. For me, just looking at it, it makes more sense to make him a young DP. You get you get financial incentives. They don't have to pay the 150000 for the third DP that you have to pay. Um, you get all the – because he, he would fit into a certain scenario – you would get all three U22 slots, which means that players could earn up to $612,000 uh, if they are under 21 or under 22 at the time of the signing. Um, and they only count for a third of that against the salary cap. They only count for 200000 against the salary cap. I had a big long thread on Twitter about it where you could theoretically sign three designated players with one of them being Campana, three U22 initiative players, and it only winds up counting as two, a little over two and change million against the cap, which is less than half the cap, to spend that on your six most expensive players would be a remarkable piece of business. So Campana looks to be coming back. We all sort of expected that. 
what do we think of the deal and and how how do we uh, see the 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 another year and and now a couple years uh, in the future of Leo Campana in pink and black well to go into the roster mechanisms i i think also it's great too doing it this way if he is to be a young dp is because we've seen a lot of the allocation money deals that Chris Henderson has made over the course of a year. And I think that if you leave those numbers open for other players to come in, whether it's from South America or Europe, then I think that that's a great thing to do because you know what you're getting with Campana, pay up the money, use him under that allocation, and then use your allocation money on other players that you can bring in and strengthen and and deepen the squad. Um, As for Campana himself, I mean, depending on, I mean, the fact that he's a young DP, I'm not necessarily worried about the money that they want to give him or anything like that. Just let it go and and figure it out. I think he was honestly on relatively cheap money, 135K. uh, But now when you factor in the transfer fee and everything, it gets all complicated. But as a striker in MLS, Campana has seen success. He's made himself successful. And I think with certain styles of play, he can be, again, in a very consistent 10 to 15, you know, uh, goal kind of guy year in and year out over the length of his deal. I, I think I think he had 11 this year, if I'm not mistaken, or 12, and none of them were penalties. Um, and he was injured for a lot of the year. When you think about a young guy who is still building into himself and getting stronger and getting faster, uh, I think he turned 22 this year. Campana can be a real force in MLS as a striker. And I think that that's why you make this deal and you make it happen as soon as possible. Like the, uh, Miami wasted absolutely no time putting this over the line. And I think that that was the right move. I think that if you surround him with the right guys and you make him the person that you want to build around, I can see 15 to 20 goals from Leonardo Campana if he's healthy throughout a whole season. And I think that that's why they did this. And I think it was an outstanding move. I give it an 8.5, 9 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 we've been talking about that in our group chat about how, you know, I know there were some, you know, maybe just like narratives, not narrative, but I don't know. So I saw some people thinking that he could be like a senior DP, which wouldn't, I mean, you could make the argument, but obviously, you know, if you have that U22 spot, you, you put him there because he's eligible. So, and we've talked about that in our, our group chat and how it just gives Miami more roster flexibility. So. Um, yeah, it's a uh, you know it's a ballpark move. It's same same reason like you know, the Pozuelo thing as well. You can kind of put them similarly. Just the amount of output you're getting for the amount of money you spent, which is you know you know like this is a steal for a guy who could who has has shown that he's able to score well, 10, 11 goals in MLS. You know you you pull that you pull that trigger on a U22 deal really quickly. So. Um, kudos to Inter Miami for re-signing him very quickly. I know I saw a lot of Wolves fans kind of upset that maybe he didn't get a chance at, at Wolverhampton with their with their striker issues. But yeah, it's a, a great move for Miami. Great for Leo. You know, he's an American citizen. You know, he has family here in Miami, so surely he's comfortable and, and it and it shows on the pitch. So yeah, you know, you bring him you bring him in for for this upcoming season. Uh, you know, he gets to rest a little bit. You see him training for the uh, potentially the World Cup with Ecuador. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a smart move. You get a young player who has a high upside, Ecuadorian international, probably going to the World Cup. And you, and you, and another thing that just popped up, you know, you know, God forbid that he went to the World Cup without renewing this. He goes and have a, has a great tournament, and then there's great other teams <laughs> sniffing around him. Like, yeah, like that's, good this, point. This is just a smart if he goes, move. if he goes, I don't. 
I'm hoping he goes, but yeah, I'm I'm very concerned given that the injury at the end of the year and everything. And I, yeah. I'm just hoping that he's had enough time to build himself up and show himself in some way to the Ecuadorian Federation because I believe he deserves to go. But it's obviously a risk no matter what. So I want him to go. I want to see him play against Qatar on that first day, November 20th. We're 18 days away, guys. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So Hopefully just that, that house- goal versus Orlando. Yeah, that goal versus Orlando yeah. probably sealed his fate. Like, come on, he's yeah, that. that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. So, some housekeeping notes on that though, because you mentioned what he could be a senior DP. He is right. So, a young DP he, is the exact yeah. same as a senior DP. It is a designated player. He is one of the three that you are allowed. So, let's just like clear that up. He is a designated player. The young part is just a specific designation yeah. because of his age that you get extra perks because he is, you know, of the of the young age that he is. So let's not make any mistake. He's not any somehow different than yeah, another. The only way that he's different is that you get bonus points. You get bonus things for it. Um, so so yeah. it's not like he is somehow underneath what a normal designated player is. Yeah. It's it's just an added incentive to sign higher profile young players in order to get the mm-hmm. league as a growth league. That way, if you if you sign one higher profile young player, you get to sign two, three more younger guys who could turn into that. That's sort of the plan with yeah. the young designated player rule in the U twenty two initiative. We we discussed all of this way back. U.S. Open August, Miami FC. Oh, no, way August. before August. It yeah. was in when oh, was yeah, that Miami, when was that was Miami like FC June. game? Yeah, and when he scored that goal, we were all raving about Campana saying, "Oh." You know what? Book it in with Wolves. Make him a DP. He's good. If you go back to that video that we made at that stadium, that was in there. And look at us on November second making this making this same call. I love it. And you, you mentioned the fee, two point seven million. It it will put him into the designated player category. We're hearing that the, the salary yeah. probably close around a million. So you could with Tam or Gam buy that down. Um, you know, Yedlin's at eight hundred thousand, so they buy him down. Um, I'm just going to pull it up here real fast. Like uh, Gregory's at 700, Jean Mota's at 700, Coco's at 720. So you have to designate Tam for all of those guys, which is why, I, especially with the sanctions still in, I, you do have to make sure that, that you're, you're accounting for having to buy those players down. On top of that, if you do buy him down, then you lose all the U22 initiative stuff that we just spent you know three minutes talking about. So it doesn't really make sense both logically and financially to buy him down. You do give up one of those designated player spots. That's really the trade-off. So if you think you're getting more for less, then you buy him down. If you think that you could get more quality players, then this is sort of, especially with the handcuffs of the sanctions that you're in, um, I, then then I think that this is a no-brainer to make him a designated player. The, the second Agreed. part of that that I think brings us back to the messy situation is where where I think is going to be important for his numbers. This is why I bring down, bring up the possibility of buying him down is it, it brings up two situations I for Messi. Let's hypothetically say Messi is coming in July. You either have situation, you, you have one of three, actually. You have situation A, which we all expect Messi comes in as a, in as a designated player, making millions and millions of dollars. you know, of, of what he is worth. And that is that, right. And then you had to save a designated player spot for him to come in. Miami plays the first half of the year with only two designated players, Campana and someone else probably Pozuelo, right? That's situation one. 
Situation two is the the Gareth Bale situation, which I don't think is crazy. The, and I know that this will probably get people up in arms, but he could come in for half a season at Max Tam and then with, with an incentive clause at the end of the year because he won't get enough games in that that triggers to immediately make him a DP in the offseason. That's what Gareth Bale basically has in his contract right now. It's it's kind of out of left field because there's no way that Lionel Messi comes to your team and isn't a designated player, but there is precedent for it with Gareth Bale and LAFC. Option three, and this is where Campana comes in, which I think is probably the most likely, is they do have three designated players with Campana being one of those three. Messi comes in, fills a designated player spot, but before that, because Campana is here with the possibility of being bought down into a TAM level player that, that you use that, that they will make some moves to get that extra TAM to buy Campana down midway through the year, free up the designated player spot for Messi to come in. That's where the buying Campana down part of this makes the most sense for me to start him as one. And then you make moves to get targeted allocation money later on or general, it would have to be general allocation money later on in the season to be able to make a messy move happen. All right. So you're implying that then Miami would have had signed other DPs by then, correct? Right. So they go into the, so they sign two more designated players this off season. So they have their three and then when okay. Messi comes in, then you buy Campana down to make him a TAM player. And, and, right. and, okay. you, and you do that with the understanding that, after the end of 2023, there's no more sanctions. So there is a pot of money that will be available to continuously right. make Campana a TAM level player. And that's right. solves itself. Okay. So Sorry, that was like a very long and convoluted response. No, no, I, I, well, at least it's, I, I understand it now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm wondering like, okay, so you have Campana set in stone and now you have to make a decision on one or two other guys. And if you have the idea of Messi coming, do you say, all right, let's play it safe and just stick with Pozuelo? Or do you say, you know what, we can go find somebody else with the idea of Messi coming that fits a little bit better next to him with Campana as well? That's, and that, that's, that's a question. one in three that I'm saying there. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think that it just begs for so many questions for this front office that they absolutely have to get right. Um, and I, I mean, to be honest, they've, they've proven that they can do it. They got themselves into the playoffs by making the biggest roster overhaul in league history. Mm -hmm. And now again, it's not necessarily that you're making the biggest in terms of, uh, quantity, but maybe in terms of quality and, and, and salary wise, you can make one of the biggest roster overhauls. And I think that that's something that Miami could possibly have on the cards. Yeah. I'm just looking up the under 22 initiative rules right now. <laughs> to see if we, we've got our ducks in the row. But, yeah, I mean, so all this makes the, sense. The U22 stuff would then go out the, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the window. Yeah. So perhaps you'd have to make some moves where yeah. you're trading away those U22 guys for allocation money to be able to buy Campana down, right? Like, So there's a lot Campana, of levers that right. need to be now pulled. And but that would be very complicated. You, I mean, you do that for Messi, but it just makes it extremely complicated. Right. So Save so that, the DB spot. Way, the way it works with Campana as his designation right now, like based off the U22 rule, not that he's an under 20. Well, what Ian said earlier, basically he is one of the senior DPs that are under 23 that would count for Miami to bring in more U22 players, essentially. Right. Right. Yeah, so yeah, that 
and, the most rules and are crazy, but as next. of next year, <laughs> if he's signed to a multi-year deal, which we expect, as of next year, he wouldn't count for a young yeah. DP anyway. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, like the, that would just yeah. be for this this like six month span between January and, and July um, is really all we're talking about. It's it's a very inside yeah. baseball. Uh, it, like a lot of things need to happen. We do have roster de- decisions that need to be made. We were talking about it before the show in terms of club options. Ryan Saylor has one. Um, Breck Shea has one. But guys, let, let's quickly touch on some of the moves that have already been reported. Um, I believe it was Lemon City Live. Did Javier have it? Um, that, yes. that George Costa's uh, contract was uh, declined. Um and he will no longer be with the club. Javier also, Javier Guerrero of Lemon City Live had um, that, uh, that that Robbie Robinson and Eddie Ascona are expected to head to Real Zaragoza in uh, Spain in Liga B. Um, obviously, a, another team owned by Jorge Mas, uh, Jairo Quinteros with Real Zaragoza right now. Austin, you had that scoop earlier this year, um, and, and that wound up being a great one. So uh, it looks to be like Robbie and Eddie Ascona heading on. Ascona was on loan to New Mexico. You had that too, Austin. Good job on Eddie Ascona earlier this year. El Paso, El Paso, El Paso. El Paso, El Paso, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, so, so how do we feel about these moves? Some more to come, obviously, in the coming days, uh, especially with Sailor. Expect his contract to be picked up. Um, and we'll see on Breck. I think that that's still up in the air. But I, I would I, – Ryan Saylor's contract is, is an option. I fully expect them to pick that up. Uh, I'll do rapid fire. Ready? I think for Eddie Escona, it's great to go over to Europe. I think for his development to get stronger and, and play more technical style football, I think it'll be amazing. Robbie Robinson, I'll leave it at that. And then with with uh, uh, <laughs> with George Acosta, I think that the club is just trying to use – Inter Miami CF2 for the academy, and they're not necessarily looking at players like Georgia Costa who are in that limbo period in their career. And you can't figure out if Georgia Costa should be the star in Inter Miami CF2 or a role player in Inter Miami. And I think that that is the decision that was being made there. And they just want to stick with the super young guns for Inter Miami CF2 and MLS Next Pro. I think that that's the direction the league is heading. That's the direction Inter Miami CF2 wants to head. I think that that was where the decision came in on Acosta. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because uh, we've talked about George Acosta. We rate him really highly, but, you know, like Austin said, I think he's just in a limbo period where we saw, you know, he was brought in, with, you know, he was on preseason with Inter-Miami and, and Neville did kind of use him, but, you know, not as much as he should have given the how the roster panned out and how there were, you know, there were spots for the taking in the starting 11, but George just didn't really make his mark, which is unfortunate because he's a really talented player and, 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 you know, his knee injury, and he, he recovered from that. But like he said, you know, he's way too talented to be in, you know, MLS Next Pro, and he should, you know, yeah. It, and it's really unfortunate because I, I rated him. We all rated him a lot. So as far as Escona and uh, Robbie, um, yeah, I think for Escona that will be a great experience for him. You know, like he said, um, playing in uh, uh, Spain where it's a, a technical league and a, a bit not slower but less physical than MLS. I'm not saying that it's, you know, physically like, week but it's a it's a league where like okay Messi for example like he was a smaller player growing up like obviously you know playing in a, a, like a, a Spanish setup where they they believe in technical football where smaller players do thrive there you know that could be uh, um, advantageous for Ascona who he just needs game time essentially and, and playing for a, a second division team will be really good 
as for Robbie, you know, maybe it didn't work out here at Inter Miami, but him going over to Europe, you know, that's that, that's still a bonus. Although it's the second division, like Robbie's still young. He's twenty two, wait, twenty three, twenty four. Excuse, excuse me, but yeah, it, it'll it'll be a good experience for him. And and you know, who who knows, he could do well there, and maybe a a, a mid division side and, and La Liga will pick him up, and then he can take off from there. So. Um, yeah, all all of these roster moves in the grand scheme of things for Inter Miami are just to make room for, like what Phil Neville touched upon after they lost to the New York City, you know, bringing in those those guys that can compete and take Miami from you know maybe not hosting a playoff game to hosting a playoff game in 2023. So, yeah, there's a meaning to their madness, and it's unfortunate because those guys are talented players, but um, it's all for you know the grand scheme of Inter Miami and and how they want to get on with their roster. Real I fast. think you'll I, see Georgia Costa yeah. in USL. I, I was, I was just about USL to say, championship. I think, he's a I think USL yeah, yeah. I, I think hundred percent. Maybe yeah. even Miami yeah. FC. Maybe yeah, even Miami FC. FC. As as for Robbie, I mean, I had said a couple months ago, I'm not giving him up for nothing, and so I think that this is the perfect, uh, the perfect opportunity for him because if he goes and he shows he can stay healthy and score goals in in League B in La Liga B, right? Um, then, then all of a sudden, now you have a way where you could get something back for him via trade, via, you know, I'm not doing a Pellegrini with Robbie Robinson. It's just not happening. I, I think that, that he still can show stuff, and I think that this is a good opportunity because if you threw him into MLS Next Pro, then all of a sudden it's the people are going to be like, why is he there? But if you throw him over, over in Europe and you let him – kind of see if he can make it happen over there that's a lot more likely of a scenario for you to be able to get an ROI on it in a controlled environment right because the Mosses own that team as well so it's not like he's going to something that you don't have any control over what's going on with him guys we've made it this far in the podcast we haven't talked about MLS Cup so let's get to it LAFC versus Philadelphia Union the two best teams in MLS this season by far in my opinion um, and just really uh, felt inevitable since the summer that this was going to be the MLS Cup final that we were going to get, albeit looked a little dicey at times with LAFC against the Galaxy and with, um, you know, Union starting to, to maybe find their groove as the playoffs continue on. Didn't look that great against Cincinnati, looked a lot better against New York City. Um, but these teams just so dominant. You look at the firepower that Philadelphia Union had. I'm not just talking about in the middle of the season when they were winning games 7 nothing, 6 nothing, week after week after week. But that team is um, unbelievable for the amount of money that they spend. They spend, I believe, third to lowest in all of Major League Soccer out of every team. And yet they, Jim Curtin and, and what they have done in that, in, that te- in that front office has been absolutely remarkable. Uh, Julian Carranza has is is reborn in Philadelphia, and for however that ended here, I, I, you know sometimes I, I think Stu Holden said it on the broadcast. It, forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but sometimes a guy just needs a new a new you know shirt to wear, a different shirt to wear, and that was what it was with Julian. And I still think that five hundred thousand in game that that was a fine deal, and it worked out. It was what Miami needed at the time. And now he's doing great for Philadelphia. I don't think that that is a, uh, a a knock on Miami in his time here. It wasn't a good fit here. Um, but l- let's let's keep it more to the game. Um, you know, Philly are, are are an offensive juggernaut. Absolutely, LAFC are this technical masterclass all over the field. Gareth Bale hasn't played a single second of the playoffs. He still has an injury. 
Um, he's only started two games for them, made 12 appearances. So he's barely been a part of it. But Kalini is on the back line. You do have Carlos Vela. You, you have so many weapons that LAFC have. They have the home field advantage. Uh, guys, is there a favorite in this game? Or, or is this just two absolute behemoths going head-to-head? I have no idea who's going to win this match. And I think for for Philly and what I saw against New York City FC, for them to have a actually a, not a great first half and then to go down 1-0 in the second in like the 50-something minute and then rally back the way that they did, a couple of substitutions from Jim Curtin. I think Carranza ended up with a goal and an assist. Like I, the way that that team is built, from from Gazdag to Carranza to Ure to, to the midfield, the back line, also having some Defender of the Year candidates. Andre Blake, obviously the best goalkeeper in, in MLS, maybe behind Drake Callender. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> there's, there's so much to be said for the way that this team is built. And like you said, Ian, third lowest spend in the league. Going up against LAFC, who have no problem spending a crap ton of money and going, going and getting the stars. But at the same time, when they go and get the stars, you have players in there to fit a system and a style and a, and a technical way of playing the game. The Kellen Acostas, the Carlos Velas, and, and uh, just a, a lot of the way that they're doing things, both teams, makes for this to be this firework showdown that, I think a lot of eyes do need to be on. And I, I love the fact that it was both the number one seed and the number one seed because you don't necessarily get that in MLS. And I think, funny enough, we always talk about the parody in MLS and how it's never always the best teams that make it. And it's always somebody new. Well, these are two new teams that have just made the final. And because it's number one and number one, it well, does Philly's go into that parody. Philly's been around for more than a decade. Well, right, but they've never been in a final. Right, right. Well, okay. So I you're saying, like, new Philly's never been in a... No, no, new teams in MLS Cup Finals. Um, it's never happened for Philly before uh, and not happened for LAFC. So that also speaks to the parity of the league, despite them being the number one team from each conference. And I think it's a great showdown for the league, for MLS. I think there will be a lot of eyes on the game. And as for favorites, I've got no idea. I just think it's going to be a spectacular, spectacular game. Yeah, um, I'm excited. It'll be, yeah, the two best teams in MLS going head-to-head for MLS Cup. Supporter Shield winners, Supporter Shield uh, runners-up uh, fighting for MLS Cup. So uh, let's see if LAFC can can do the double, I guess, with uh, the Supporter Shield and um, and the Cup. You know, it'll be interesting and, and sort of, you know, they're kind of like the poster child of you can spend big on, you know, guys like Vela. I mean, Bolanco wasn't really expensive, but, you know, he's he's – not up there, up there, but, you know, he was a pretty penny, you know, it, they're kind of the poster child of, yes, you can spend on uh, European expensive players, a la Vela, whatnot, and, and still win, and then you have Philly, on the other hand, um, you know, using their academy and and, and proper scouting and, 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 and just building a cohesive uh, a club and, and unit and organization and having a coach that uh, knows what he's doing and, and, and has a, a, a tactical acumen that can uh, you know, he, he was named coach of the year. So, um, you know, that's that. So yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. I think it, yeah, it just sums up what I think everyone wanted in MLS, you know, all those pro rail guys talking about, you know, yeah, you know, just, I don't know. It just shows that the two best teams in the league are going head to head and it's going to be a, a, a true, a true like MLS cup type of matchup. Like I'm excited. I, I know, 
Um, LAFC, they're going to have a crazy atmosphere parking aside. I don't know if you guys saw that the, the USC game is going to like interfere with that, but um, which is yeah, weird because it it's, it's only um, for tailgating. It's only yeah. for tailgating. The USC game doesn't start until yeah, yeah. 7.30 local time, and the MLS Cup starts at 12.30 local time. So it's it's like crazy how they, they're not going to really overlap yeah. except for – yeah, they're not going to overlap except for tailgating, which is a real shame. Um, but, you know, I, we do have the World Cup coming up, right? So let, let's I, – mm-hmm. I, I try to – I'm trying to, like, look at these teams in terms of – of like if they were a country and I really kind of look at LAFC like Argentina, they are built with the star power and, and the, the, that like fun little, you know, motion and, and, and playing around you and playing into space. But I also look at Philadelphia almost like Germany. And when you, when you like look at the machine that, that, that Philadelphia is that they are just, you know, where is the weakness? Where do you attack? It is this full-on machine going at you. And I guess if I make that analogy or if I follow that analogy, I would favor Philadelphia Union in this game simply because, you know, we, are, we, we know how Argentina plays in finals. And, and you know, I, I, we, that, that, you know, we know how Germany plays in finals. It's, it's much different. So, so I, what I you're I, saying, Ian, so what you're saying is that Christian Arango is going to miss a sitter. And then Paxton Harrison is going to come come on in the in extra time and score a goal, and it's going to be a one nil game in extra time. Andres, our producer, if that happens, clip this, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But yeah, so I guess I could see this falling like a one off final falling more into Philadelphia's favor that they won't be uh, they won't be overwhelmed by the moment. And I think actually playing on the road, even though they haven't been a great road team this year, if there was a real weakness, I mean, they were, they were almost as dominant as possible at home this year. They didn't lose all year um, and only had like, I think a couple of draws. Um, And and so that like, I I just, I don't know, something about this game smells Philadelphia's way for me. Um, They they have the goal differential that, that blows you out of the water. Um, and just watching some of those six, seven, nothing games, um, it, it'll be an exciting one, but uh, uh, do we have any predictions? I'm going with Philadelphia. I'll say two nil. Um, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I was watching uh, them play, um, the other day. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. It's been a long week. I forgot who they played. NYCFC? And, and, yes, there we go. Um, they played them at, at um, at their field and, um, I was just making note about how wide open they were at times. The game was really spread out. And honestly, if Philly do that against LAFC, I can easily see, you know, Boanga just just exposing those half spaces that Philly like to kind of leave in behind El Brujo in the midfield that they have and just exposing that. I know Glesnes and 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 their center the center back pairing, you know, they're super good, but like I I feel like Philly do play a little bit expansive and, and exposed at times and they can get away with that at home because of the fans and the atmosphere but at LAFC I'm not sure if they're um will be able to do that you know especially with Vela you know cutting inside and you have uh, Aranjo and, and Amboanga just you know playing direct balls in, in over the top like they did against Austin FC which was you know Austin are you know they're not Philly comparable but you know just I just sense that if Philly gets so stretched that... Be careful, you know, you'll, you'll end up on a laminated plaque next year. Oh, Austin yeah. Laminating oh, all the people oh, it's against. 
Oh, well, well let's, you know what? Just really just need to play compact. You know, like, it's not my fault that sometimes, you know, their midfield can get so stretched, you know, that, you know, it, it's just easy to counter. NYCFC had multiple chances that way. I, I believe that their first goal was just, um, you know, just due to Philly not necessarily clean, cleaning their lines as quickly as they could. But anyway, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Just tactically, uh, both coaches are, are, are solid and sound, but I do think... Uh, ugh, uh, don't come after me, Philly fans. I do think of talent-wise, LAFC probably have the edge with their front three. No, no shade to Kronzer or anything, but but as a whole, I think Philly are just uh, probably a well-oiled machine. So I don't know. It's it's difficult. I'll say my prediction. I don't know. I'll go. I don't know. It, it smells like zero zero until like the seventieth minute, and then, like you said, someone comes off the bench, or it stays zero zero until the ninetieth minute. They go into extra time. LAFC maybe wins it somehow. I don't know. Okay, but for ninety minutes, I'll go LAFC two one. It's it's hard. It's hard. I don't know, but either way, either way, I, I think that both teams are capable of scoring. Yeah, and um, I, I think I, I obviously I, I rate Philly's backline a lot more than I rate LAFC's, and I think that I rate LAFC's attack more than I rate Philly's attack. So those things being complete opposites, I would say that I I could see this game actually having a couple goals within ninety minutes, and I'm gonna say two two in ninety minutes and three two LAFC win in extra time. All right, you guys are both both on LAFC. I'm on on Philly. Okay, we'll 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 see how it goes. For the record, I think I want Philly to win, but I I I I, I see LAFC doing it if if everyone's healthy and the way that they play. But well, oh man, I don't know predictions that a, are into a, a Miami are tough. A quick side note on that: because LAFC and Philadelphia made the final, and because Pachuca won Liga MX. Next year for the League's Cup, Inter-Miami will be in the same group as Cruz Azul um, in in uh, in Liga MX. And then the third team in that group will be a regional team. So uh, it can't be Orlando, but it, so it's most likely going to be D.C., Charlotte, Atlanta, or Houston. Maybe Dallas or Austin, at, or Austin can't be. Yeah, Dallas Nashville. can't be either. Dallas and, Dallas and Austin can't be either because they'll be a uh, seeded team. So... It's it's most it is definitely Cruz Azul with Inter Miami's group, and then mm-hmm. the third team will be one of Houston, DC, Charlotte, or Atlanta. Um, so that that mm. sort of makes that a little bit easier for the League's Cup coming up. I think something that we're all very excited on a, a, a competition that I think Inter Miami should probably take uh, pretty seriously. I think that there's a, a good opportunity there. Um, guys, let, let's bring it back to Inter Miami and and the club um, because. The, there was news that came out uh, earlier this week, the Taxi Fountas investigation uh, of the racial slur that he used um, against Aime Mabika and Damian Lowe, or allegedly used um, against them, uh, was found to, uh, according to the league, to be credible, but they could not prove that it was, um, that it was done. They found that taxis... Uh, explanation was not credible that Mabika's was in it. They said that the allegations are credible, um, but that because they cannot prove it, no further action will be taken. Um, Taxi Fountas did spend the last two games of the season away from uh, DC United, uh, what many are calling a voluntary suspension. Um, so if you take that, I guess a two game suspension, um, I, I, 
very disappointed just personally in that. Um, but Alex, we'll start with you and, and, uh, and we'll just, you know, talk about uh, what, what we make of all of this. Yeah. Um, well, um, you know, it took a long time for them to come to this conclusion and it's, um, yeah, it, it just kind of says, you know, yes, something did happen, but we can't really punish, punish it, I guess. I know, uh, DC did get fined for failing to uh, comply with the uh, diversity um, hiring rules as well. Same day, uh, they dropped both uh, 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 both news is both headlines. Excuse me, at the same time. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just unfortunate. Lowe was very, you know, Yedlin spoke about it. We, we were all there after the incident. Spoke about how Damien was shaken up by the incident, and and Mavika was there as well, and. Yedlin felt really strongly about it. So, you know, clearly something did happen. MLS said something didn't happen, but they can't prove it. And, you know, Taxi kind of took himself out of it. So, you know, he already served his own punishment. So, I, you know, I, I don't know how much more MLS could do. It's unfortunate. And, you know, I don't see Taxi going back to D.C. after this, honestly, you know, uh, after the entire situation. And, yeah, it's just unfortunate. It's a stain on the game. And, even though Miami won that, it's just, you know, that, that's not what, you know, that, you know, Miami won the game, but we're not, we didn't talk about the the result. We, we were talking about that awful incident that happened. So yeah, I don't know what happens from now, but um, MLS needs to get it together because, you know, that statement, it was, yeah, it was just, it was a, it was, I don't know, it's crazy. Like, you know, something happened, but they can't prove it, but yeah, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, Taxi took himself out of it, and, and he probably probably won't return to D.C. next season anyway. So, yeah, it sucks, but, you know, hopefully Miami can, you know, put this behind them. Damian Lowe can, can heal, and, and, and they can all move on together, uh, essentially, as a team. Yeah, look, I, I find it extremely disheartening. Uh, I, I think that it's almost disrespectful the way the league decided to discuss their their findings and their conclusion to all this like the logistics of it for them to have said that there were credible you know sources and allegations from inter miami and then to go against that and and not have any punishment for their credible allegations because they didn't necessarily have a microphone on the pitch at all times i i think that it's almost more disrespectful to say that hey Mr. Lowe and Mr. Mabika, you were you were right, and we believe you, but I'm sorry, we can't do anything about it. I think that when you think of it in that way, it becomes even more disheartening, and I think that it is part of the problem. Um, and I think that when you go back to what Yedlin said and how eyes would be on the league and to how they um, were going to handle this, this is, this is bottom tier... I don't think that anyone's going to be happy with this, and, and rightfully so. I, I just find it extremely uh, disrespectful to the players on Inter-Miami. I find it disrespectful on the game. I find it disrespectful to all people of color that play in MLS, and I think that Taxi Fountas has no place in this league, uh, especially if they're going to come out and say that the allegations were credible. There's no place for him at all, despite them saying they can prove it or not. And having no further punishment other than something that's voluntary, I think is is blasphemous. I completely agree with everything that you guys said. I, I uh, you know, 
I was trying to figure out how to sort of understand how you can find something credible. It, then, I mean, you, you mentioned it, like other than having a microphone on the, it's, it's very easy to have campaigns. It's very easy to have a, a specialty jersey uh, to that, that people can buy as a marketing slogan to make more money. It, it's a lot tougher to stand up when you're faced with it and, and, and say, no, this is unacceptable. And, and if it is credible, end of conversation. If it is credible, that is where the conversation stops. And that is where action starts. And that's where I have a problem with it. If you say that it's credible, I don't, honestly, let, let's say, oh, well, you can't prove it. If he appealed, it's, it's, it, it would be thrown out and this would happen anyway. Fine. If it's credible, then, then suspend him and then let the appeals process play itself out from there. You make a stand that this is not acceptable in our game. And I, I, feel, I, I feel for Damien, I feel for Aime, I feel for Yedlin, I feel for every single little kid out there that, that, that you know, I feel for Black Herons United, um, the, the supporters group. I feel for, for any, I feel for Alex, I feel for any person of color, I feel for every fan. Uh, that, that 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 has you know th this thought that there that this needs to be addressed in our game it is a problem there is a reason that it is prevalent as a as a as a campaign throughout the world that this is a problem and when it is brought to your doorstep action matter and the league dropped the ball here and uh, i i I don't know if anger helps the situation at all. Uh, so I guess grace is, is the best solution. I, I don't really know. But like you, like you guys very well said, um, that, that it, it is so disappointing. If it, it, it was found, not I, I hate even using the word if anymore. It was found to be credible. It was found to be credible. End of story. I don't see how you don't get past that. I, yeah. I'll, get, I'll, I'll try. That's yeah. their word choice, too. Right. That, that's their, the thing. Word, it's their yeah. word choice. The league decided to come out and say credible. And you can't come out and say something like that and then not back it with action. And I, that's where it becomes extremely upsetting because, unfortunately, the way the world is, there are things that are going to happen. But if you don't get to the root of it, and make decisions that are based on trying to unroot it from the ground and take it out of the sport that you play, then it's going to be prevalent as always. And when there's no real backing from the league for these players, it becomes an issue. And I, I would like to see the Players Association get involved. I would like to see more to be done about it. I don't know if it's necessarily possible if he's going to leave the league but like you said, I, I agree. If you're going to say that these things are credible, that's the word that you used, and that alone is enough to, to cause punishment, and you didn't do that for something that is very serious, it's uh, it's almost a joke. It's almost a joke. Guys, let's let's end with um, – I, 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 hard always hard to transition from, from something like that. Um, that. You know, the investigation is done, so um, that's where it's at. Um, but as as the offseason continues, personnel continues to uh, change around Inter-Miami as well. 
Um, the, the club announcing that performance director Don Scott will be leaving the club, heading to the Washington Spirit in the NWSL. Um, a, a very, uh, very well wishes to Don, who um, was was very you know wonderful um, every every time I got to speak with her, um, and you know uh, the the rare times that we did. Um, her her work speaks for itself in, in that the Inter Miami was, in my opinion, the fittest and most well-conditioned team in the entire league this past year. Um, and that is her direct job. That is, you know, a direct testament to what she did. Um, so I, I think that it's a big loss for the club. Um, Dawn has, has loved the women's game for a while. She uh, gets to return to the NWSL in, in something that I think is wonderful. So um, inter, she, whoever Inter Miami finds will will have big shoes to fill. But, um, it, you know, she does leave behind a legacy of a, and a blueprint for how this team can be dominant at home and, and be fit on the road and have all those late game heroics that they had all year last year. Yeah. I mean, first of all, kudos to her for all the work that she's done, but also kudos to her for making the decision that she did to go pursue her passions and, and something that she's very, that she feels very strongly about. And that's the women's game. That's it's women's soccer. And that's something that I believe in what into my uh, Miami posted was her reasoning for leaving the club. It wasn't that she didn't have a great time. It wasn't that, it wasn't anything about that because her and Phil Neville have worked lo- closely together in the past. They were working closely together again. And, and it was just the simple fact that she has a passion for the women's game, helping it grow and, and being a positive change for it. And I think that that honestly is something that's extremely admirable. Um, and yeah, so all, all credit and kudos to her for that decision. And also for all the work that she did making this team enter Miami, the most fit and, and conditioned team in the league, I think it showed on the pitch I think they were the number one team in terms of gaining points in the 80 plus minute and all of those certain little accolades that they picked up were due in part to what she was doing for them in training. The, all the analytics that went into it and all the different training regimens and everything, a lot of her oversight was the reason for that. And I think that, you know, she had a fantastic impact on this club and hopefully it's everlasting because down in South Florida, they're going to need something like that to, to continue to be a successful team. So yeah, credit to Don Scott. Congratulations, and wish her all the best. Yeah, um, you know, good for her for going back to women's football. Um, obviously, that's a passion. Like Ian said, it's not that she had a bad time at Inter Miami. It's just you know she wants to uh, pivot to women's soccer more, and that's not a bad thing. And like you know, we read in the press release, you know, she left behind a a, a blueprint and a legacy for Inter Miami to follow. So yeah, uh, great. Uh, great to have her in the organization, but, you know, obviously kudos to her for following her passions. And um, yeah, it was nothing but the best for her and uh, Washington spirit. You, you got a really good one. So, uh, uh, you know, good for y'all and, and, and remind me, you know, obviously they'll, they'll have her legacy behind to, to, to follow and, and continue the blueprint that she laid down. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when when one of your most successful employees moves on, you're happy for them, but they're also leaving a, a massive hole to fill, and and so um, the the search will be on because we saw we saw it was clear as day this year how important that role is, especially in South Florida. That that just is a very important job, and Phil talked about it time and time again of. That was the biggest thing that they noticed. If, if they could get right, if they could get fitness right, then they knew they had an inherently massive advantage for half the games because it was played in, in the South Florida heat and humidity. And 
having that inherent advantage will always suit Miami. And the more they play into that, it's great. It, it seems like now it's like, duh, but, you know, now you expect that as, as you know, something that Miami should play into for, for a bunch of years to come and, and should look for players that want to gruel for 90 minutes in, in the heat and the humidity and everything because not everybody can do that. And it showed a, a lot throughout this season. Guys, we, we, we got through so much today. There is so much still to come. Less than three weeks until the World Cup. We'll talk about that. All the roster moves that, that will continue to happen as they do uh, throughout the offseason with several decisions coming up in the coming weeks. For now, let's leave it at that. She is Alex Winley. He is Austin Roblard. For our producer, Andres, I'm Ian Hess. Make sure you like, share, subscribe on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, at the Heron Outlet. Rate, review, comment, and engage with us. We'll listen to all your questions. Hopefully we'll talk about some of them coming up in some off-season weeks to come. And we will see you back here this time next week.